New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? Boom. Cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, I said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who is taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one, it's a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Soccer Show and our first big check-in on the 2023 summer transfer window. Today, we're compiling to-do lists for some of the biggest clubs in Europe. How do Chelsea build a new identity under Poch? Do Man City need fresh blood to keep their heads in the game? What will Tuchel's Bayern look like next season? And we tackle the most pressing question in soccer. What is the Juventus? My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me today, a man who joins us after his trip to the greatest city on earth, Joe Lowry! <laughs> if, if I could audibly explain the disappointment on Ryan's face and in his voice when I told him I did basically none of the Las Vegas things that we talked about, I blame Greg Berhalter for that, legitimately. In this case, I, I do blame U.S. Soccer and Greg Berhalter for that one particular thing. Um, if I could explain that, I think everyone would be having a, a pretty sad Eori kind of day because Ryan was very sad mm. when I told him that I was basically stuck inside the whole time. But it was a good trip, fellas, and I'm happy to be back. I was sad for a moment, Joe, but then I was happy when I realized that when we do our TSS live show, uh, maybe we'll do a, a live residency. Maybe one of the hotels will take us for a couple of months. <laughs> what do you think? Um, but when we do that, I'll be the first to take you for your Gordon Ramsay burger and your Hattie Bee's chicken. There you go. I- I would love to be there with you, Ryan, as you experience and get more joy from me doing that than I will myself. Also, if you think Taylor's going to have us do a live show in Vegas, you are you are crazy. Mm. <laughs> While the Taylor's away, the cat will play. <laughs> Taylor Rockwell not joining us on his well-deserved break, but joining us, a man who's been complaining Scotland's been too hot and last night went to a game that was so wet they literally had to stop playing it. Graham Rutherford, um, are you upset that hot Graham Rutherford summer is officially over now? There was a point last night, Ryan, I'm not going to lie, where I thought I might have to sleep at Hampden Park. Um, so for <laughs> anyone, who, anyone who didn't catch this, Scotland were playing a Euro qualifier last night against Georgia. Georgia, we played nine minutes of that match. And then the match was postponed for two hours because before kickoff, I think six days worth of rain had fallen in the space of 20 minutes. The pitch was completely waterlogged. By the way, I did a Patreon uh, match they vlog. So anyone who is remotely interested in what I'm saying right now, there is a video that you can watch on, on the TSS mm. Plus Patreon. But yeah, I know MLS fans are used to long rain delays and thunderstorms and things like that. I've, I've never had one of those before. It was quite good fun, though. All the fans were singing Travis and um, the DJ was having good fun playing like other rain related anthems. Like, there, is there not like a garbage song that's like, You Only Love Me When It Rains or something like that? I'm only happy um, when it rains, Graham. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so, all the fans were singing along and everyone stayed and, and Scotland won in the end. So, all in all, an enjoyable evening, even if uh, hot Graham summer is well and truly over. Graham, I'm s- Graham sorry was that the game where you called someone else a wet wipe on Twitter? Or was that a different game in the international window? I've kind of lost track. I think there were 50,000 wet wipes at Hamden last night, <laughs> uh, Joe. There it is. Yeah, it, there it it is. 
everyone's a wet wipe. The Georgia, Willie Sanyol, former French fullback, who until last night I didn't realise is now the Georgia manager, he was complaining about things. So he's he's added his name to the wet wipe, wet wipe list. Wow. I, I actually tuned in to watch this game, Graham, and then turned it off when I realised yeah, it, it didn't play for two <laughs> hours. But uh, uh, the, nine, the nine minutes I caught were great. And I recommend the Patreon video that Graham's talking about, patreon.com slash Total Soccer Show for our bonus content, including that video. Uh, highlights of which, Graham, uh, bagpipes being played at a bus stop, a kebab pie that apparently wasn't very good, and the highlight, Graham pointing at a picture of a Highland cow. Um, <laughs> now, this is on our on our discord which you can yeah. get access to via our patreon a bit of a a bit of a debate here some people calling it a ball some people calling it an emo cow graham an emo i like cow. emo cow that's yeah. the one that, that's yeah. what it is <laughs> yeah i mean it's 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 called a highland cow right i'm not being crazy well now it's called an emo cow but previously called, yes yeah. it, it just, I, I would previously refer to that as a highland coo or a highland cow highland coo very good that sits there listening to my Chemical Romance or something like that, <laughs> I'm guessing. Very good. Uh, and you got to see Kvaradona play, right? I did. He missed a penalty. Absolutely yeah. skied it in stoppage time. Wasn't very good. I mean, he, there were glimpses of what he can do. He's one of these players that doesn't really... He's not one of these players that does like lots of skill or stepovers, but there was a couple of times where Aaron Hickey... Kvaradona would just go one way and then he'd go the other way and completely lose Hickey. And you're thinking to yourself, how... How has he done that? He didn't do anything. He just like moved his body quicker than Aaron Hickey. So there were glimpses, but thankfully he didn't too, cause uh, too much damage. Excellent stuff. Uh, all right, let's get to the meat of this show. As we mentioned, we're compiling some to-do lists for the biggest clubs in Europe. Let's start off in the Premier League. And why don't we start off alphabetically with the Arsenal Football Club. It seems to me, Joe, that they have a few moves to make here. Um, I was hoping the Declan Rice business would be done by now. What do we, what do we make? What, what do we make of Arsenal? What they need to do for the coming season? Yeah, I think when you look at Arsenal and think about some of the same discussions we had back in January with this team, there's a couple of obvious areas that stand out, and they they partially addressed them in the winter. But I think those were more stop gaps, certainly in the case of Jorginho, than anything else. So I would still point towards midfield. And the wing as really the two areas that Arsenal need to address first and foremost. I think the core of this team with Ramsdale and Gabriel and Saliba and and good fullbacks and Odegaard and Saka, Martinelli, Gabriel Jesus. I think the core is really, really good. I think now is the time to fine tune and, and upgrade really. And the most obvious place for that, I think, of the two that I mentioned, midfield and wing, is in midfield. I think Granit Xhaka can be upgraded on fairly clearly. He's 30 years old. The same goes for Thomas Partey, who was also 30 years old. El Nene is 30. Jorginho is 31. Like, it, it is very clearly time for a refresh. And there they have been, been linked heavily to Declan Rice. We'll see if that deal actually gets over the line. Rice and Caicedo are kind of the two biggest midfielders now that Bellingham's off the market. Like, those are the two that are sort of being linked everywhere. I think one of those would be really big for them. It sounds like Rice is, is real, and I think he would be a good add to this midfield group. He can play as that sort of foundational piece that allows other players higher up the field to work and to move off of them. It helps Arsenal get younger. It helps them get, you know, maybe even a little bit more stable in that midfield. And then I think the other thing I mentioned wing, I think they could use some talent just straight up in the front line. They were fifth in expected goals in the Premier League last year, which is not bad, but there is room for them to become more dangerous and more incisive more often, you know, somebody to compete more regularly with Saka and Martinelli, Jossard, you know, was a, a good buy, I think, from them in the transfer window, and they, they were sticking to their guns by not paying, you know, at the wazoo for Mudrik. But I, I think there is room for them to add, like, another 
real elite caliber Premier League player. You look at what Manchester City have and they have options on options, even though Pep never rotates. Like they have so much quality depth. Arsenal is still, I think, a shade or two off of that at this point. And I think that's where Kai Havertz comes in for Arsenal. Just before we started recording, Fabrizio Romano, or was it David Ornstein? I can't can't quite remember. um, Reported that Arsenal have essentially closed a deal for Kai Havertz, meaning they have agreed a transfer fee with uh, with Chelsea, I wrote a piece for Forbes a couple of weeks ago looking at where Kai Havertz would actually fit into this Arsenal team. I don't think it's particularly obvious, actually, his 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 role in in this Arsenal team. They play in a a four three three Arsenal. I don't see Kai Havertz playing as the number nine, or certainly not the first choice number nine for yeah. Arsenal. Maybe he can come in as a rotational option behind Gabriel Jesus. But equally, I don't think he plays ahead of Martin Odegaard as the central attacking midfielder. I don't think he moves the ball as quickly as Martin Odegaard. I don't think he's as nimble with possession as Martin Odegaard. And then I can't really see him as one of the two deep-lying, or not deep-lying, but kind of midfield anchors either. So it's a confusing one with Kai Havertz, and I, I can only assess, can only conclude that Arteta's just trying to add quality to his squad in the way that Joe mentioned there. Arsenal don't have the depth of someone like Man City, and so having someone like Havertz um, in that squad is generally going to be beneficial. And and I'm so curious, Graham, you're talking about there's no obvious fit, and I totally agree with you, because that's just who Kai Havertz is as a player, right? You know, he can play centrally, and he, he did that a bunch for Chelsea. He can play as part of a front two. He can play in the half spaces, like he can drop a little bit deeper, you know, he, he doesn't have a clearly defined position. And so what I'm very curious about coming into next season with Arsenal and Havertz specifically is what Mikel Arteta tries to do. Like, I don't think anybody's under the uh, assumption that his time at Chelsea was a, a rip-roaring success because I don't really think it was. Chelsea, it seems like, need more of a reference point in their attack, maybe more than Kai Havertz is in that way. I'm really curious to see what that looks like and, and maybe if Arteta can finally be the one at least in England, that gets the best out of Kai Havertz, who is an extremely talented player, but feels like maybe lost a little bit of time at Chelsea. All right, um, perhaps lower on the to-do list, but no less important, the future of Fuller and Balogun, uh, Graham. Uh, David Olsen also reported that he will be allowed to uh, walk on be sold this summer. Um, what are your thoughts on that? It could potentially be good for for Balogun, depending on 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 where he goes. I think at this point in his career, he needs to continue to play games. Obviously, he did that in Ligue 1 last season to to great effect for for Rem. Scored a bunch of goals. I think it would be a step backwards, personally speaking, my my personal opinion, if he were to go back to Arsenal and then sit on the bench for the, for the entire season, even if he's getting you know, 10-minute appearances off the bench in Premier League games or maybe starting some League Cup games. I think at this point he just needs to play 30 games, at least 30 games a season. I thought maybe the best solution for all parties might have been a Premier League loan, maybe a bottom half of the table in Premier League. Luton, Luton, Perhaps. I mean, I I don't really know their squad well enough, to be honest, to say um, whether he would be a good fit for them or not. I guess we'll do that uh, that sort of research before our season previews, um, which will be... On us, upon us, before we know it, I think the Premier League season starts in what, like two two months from now, which isn't long at all. Uh, no, so Graham, we'll... it starts next week. We're doing the previews today. All oh, right, okay, that's bad yeah. news for me. Sorry. Time. <laughs> um, so maybe Luton, maybe another bottom half of the table Premier League team. Even if it's not alone, I think the, those sort of clubs will be interested in Balogun. And to be yeah. honest, seeing the impact that he made for the US against Canada, I think will have piqued interest uh, interest across uh, Europe even more. 
Yeah, I'll add one thing on Balogun. He told reporters in the mix zone after the game against Canada that he wasn't going out on loan again. So that that does sort of change the calculus a little bit. It seems like, Ryan, like how you let us in, he will be moved from Arsenal because I'd, I'd be very surprised if he stayed there and, and ate up minutes on the bench. So I think he will be going somewhere. It's just a matter of, of where that destination is. All right, let's switch over to a different part of London, to Chelsea. Uh, it seems... Graham, they're doing a decent job of maybe getting players to leave at the moment, or yeah. certainly to selling them at the moment. So uh, it seems like a big change is coming uh, and the identity will be a little different under Maurizio Pochettino. So it's worth running through some of the players that are reportedly up for sale at Chelsea this summer. So we have Conor Gallagher. This will take a while, so yeah. uh, hold hold tight. Uh, Conor Gallagher, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Edward Mendy, Kaldu Koulibaly, Matteo Kovacic, Ngolo Kante, Armando Broja, Christian Pulisic, uh, Hakim Ziyech, Aubameyang, Mason Mount, and Kai Havertz. And a few of those players have either already m- moved on. So I believe N'Golo Kante either today or yesterday completed his his move to El Etihad. As, as I mentioned earlier, Kai Havertz very close to joining uh, Arsenal. Chelsea are actually doing a better job of moving a lot of these players on than, than I expected they would. I was convinced that Chelsea were going to be in a bit of a My United under Ed Woodward situation where they had players on high wages who just essentially didn't want to leave. But you, ha- you have uh, Kai Havertz going to, 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 to Arsenal. You have interest from Manchester United and, and Mason Mount. And you have Saudi Arabia helping ding, 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 uh, ding, 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 Todd Bowley out. A, a, a great deal. Interesting to note, by the way, that the, the PIF, the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia, have, have invested heavily in Clear Lake Capital, the owners of Chelsea. Mm. So there's some uh, potentially some murky stuff going on there. But it's uh, beneficial for Chelsea, who it seems like are doing a pretty good job of trimming that squad down early doors. Seems- that's like the most underrated and probably the most hilarious part of the transfer window so far is that Todd Bowley and, and Clear Lake and that ownership group come in to Chelsea. They spend a ton of money. They do it pretty recklessly, and, and it doesn't work, certainly last season. A lot of the decisions, even if some were defensible at the time, end up backfiring. And the question is coming to this summer, like, how are they ever going to get out? And then Saudi Arabia just pops yeah. up from behind the corner and says, guys, we got you. Like, we're going to take all these payers. We're going to players. We're going to pay them a ton of money. Don't worry about it. And Todd Bowley gets off scot-free. It's like a, it's yeah. like a get out of jail free card monopoly. Yeah. It's unreal. And that's frustrating. Like, I, I am, I'm a complete neutral. I have nothing against Chelsea, but there's a, a bit of me that goes, Todd Bowley must pay for what he yes, has done here. Yes, this, he can't get away with this this easily. So the, the pith is the eraser on the Bowley pencil. Yes, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. Glad they've been bailed out. Uh, Joe, um, top of the to-do list, probably a striker? Yes, striker, defensive midfielder are the two that come to mind the, the most quickly for me. Striker, they've got all of these really fun, clever, you know, space-hunting attackers, right? Like Nkunku is not a number nine, but he, he can play centrally, and he likes to go and exploit space and pop up in different pockets. I think you can say the same for Raheem Sterling. You can say the same for Mason Mount. You could have said the same for Kai Havertz, although it seems like he'll be gone. Mount probably gone as well. So, you know, it, it's it's a fluid situation right now, but I think it would be helpful for them to have a reference point to operate off of. You know, Nkunku didn't always have that at Leipzig, and he still had a lot of success in the Bundesliga, but this will be a different challenge for him in a lot of different ways. Lukaku could come back in after his loan and, and be a part of this team for next season. That feels unlikely to me based off of what I've read. And even if he does come back and, and stay with Chelsea, I don't think he is the full-time answer at his age and, and sort of his lack of availability at times. So I think finding a reference point will be important for them. They're in the market along with a lot of other teams for a number nine. 
And then a defensive midfielder. With Conte gone, Kovacic gone, you know, Graham basically listed the entire midfield for Chelsea. Like, they're they're gutting that area for the most part outside of Enzo Fernandez, at least as far as senior impact players go. I think they need someone. I think Pasch will want someone to partner Fernandez, who's a little bit more defensive-minded, can erase some moments, but also still be calm on the ball and do all of that stuff to get them in a double pivot in maybe a 4-2-3-1 with Nkunku and Mudrik and Sterling as that attacking band of three behind a number nine. And and the person that they wanted for the defensive midfield role early on in the window was Manuel Agarte from Sporting Lisbon. Did anyone catch the that story about the negotiations Bowley no. was holding with Sporting? So basically, Aguarte was was interesting PSG as well. He is either now signed for PSG or he's on his way to PSG, so they've shifted focus. But when it became clear that Chelsea were going to lose out on him, Bowley offered to buy a part of Sporting Club de Portugal, Sporting Lisbon, as as a club. Can you do that? I mean, he's bending all sorts of rules with trades for Lukaku and, and now he's trying to buy clubs so he can get players. He is he's he's playing 4D chess. Wow. He is indeed. Wonderful <laughs> stuff happening at Chelsea there. Plenty on the to-do list. Uh, certainly more in the outgoing box than the in-going right now. Let's uh before we hit a break, let's go to Liverpool, shall we? Um we've already know that McAllister's come in. Um Graham, what else is going to be on the to-do list for Liverpool ahead of this campaign in which they will try and finish third? I don't, I'm not sure what their aim is here. Yeah, that's a, that's actually a good kind of jumping off point for Liverpool is I'm not entirely sure what the aim for next season is. I think at this point it's just to point themselves in the right direction again and certainly to rebuild that midfield. That mm. is the primary objective of their summer. To be honest, at this point, nothing else really matters Right now, you mentioned, Ryan, they brought in Alexis McAllister. I think that is a, an exceptional signing, particularly for the price point that's been mentioned, apparently £35 million, which is a lot less than I would have expected Brighton to to, to uh, command for, for McAllister. I still think, though, Liverpool need that box-to-box two-way player in, in the midfield. McAllister, he will bring a lot of attacking versatility, but I don't think he offers a great deal in front of the defence. And a couple of names that have been mentioned... Um, are Manu Kone, who plays for uh, Gladbach in the Bundesliga, and then Kefram Turam, the son of, of Lillian Turam, mm-hmm. the brother of Marcus Turam. What a footballing family that is. They're not doing too bad. Yeah, they, 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 both of those players have been linked with uh, Liverpool as well. And I think both of them would be relatively cheap. We're talking about 30 to 40 million euros. I have to admit, I don't know a great deal about Turam. I've watched Manu Kone a few times. He's, he's an impressive player. But nonetheless, from what I've read about Turam and Kone as well, they seem kind of like a throwback to the Michael Edwards era signings where they're, they're looking for players that statistically and, and tactically fit a system rather than looking to the individual first, which is what I think they did with players like um, Darwin Nunes certainly is, is an example of that where maybe there's a bit of integration to be done there I also think related Liverpool need to settle on what Alexander-Arnold's position is in mm. this team long term I think he is such a natural creator that and this is something that I've changed my opinion on I think I'm pretty sure I wrote a piece back in March saying Alexander-Arnold will always be a right back I think I've kind of changed my opinion on this given what we saw towards the end of the season from him for Liverpool and then also for I know England were playing kind of low calibre opposition but nonetheless his performances for England against Malta and North Macedonia were exceptional in not just a central midfield role but in a number 10 role in an attacking midfield role so 
maybe not for every game he can he can perform that role for Liverpool, but certainly ones where they can dominate possession in. I think it's now sensible to look at Alexander Arnold as a midfielder, and then the question is, well, who who's coming in at right back? I know Benjamin yeah. Pavard was linked with Liverpool. That was a, a an interesting rumor. I think Liverpool kind of shot that down. That one's maybe not happening, but there is there's a question there over Alexander Arnold and how things will move around him in that midfield. Hmm. Very exciting, uh, Alexander Arnold. Joe presumably going to wear the number ten shirt like he now does for England. Wonderful. Tight. I love that. Actually, is yeah. that is that real? Or is that not? He, is that not real? He did do that. I is like that it. Not Salah's number. What? <laughs> yeah. What number does Salah? Yeah. So maybe right. he, he Sorry, might have Mo. to say something. You're about done. Mo You're Salah. done. <laughs> Move back. Anyway. Yep. Uh, Joe, any more on Liverpool before we uh, hit the break? Yeah, Graham talked about midfield and, and right back, which are both on my list. I also think they could use one more attacking player, like maybe a maybe a Alexis McAllister. The Home Alone King himself is that guy. Like I don't, I don't know for sure, but I think about Darwin Nunez, Salah, Gakpo, Jota, and Diaz as the five players for three spots. If Klopp sticks with that three-person front line, which is what he's done for the most part, even sometimes adding in a fourth attacker into those spaces. I know that Nunez and, and Salah and Gakpo can all play the nine. Gakpo and Salah can probably both play on the right, and, and you've got enough guys on the left, so maybe there's enough cover there. But I, I look at that spot as maybe being a tiny bit thin, but we'll see what that looks like. Wonderful stuff. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the, the Manchester teams. We're going to go around the continent. Much more to-do listing to come. Back shortly. New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? Boom. Cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, I said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who is taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one, it's a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match this offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Dealer. Total Soccer Show, welcome back. We are assigning to-do lists to top European clubs. Let's, Joe, head to Manchester, specifically the blue side. Man City obviously had a very successful season that they are coming off. It's difficult to keep up that kind of uh, momentum and that kind of success into a second season, one would argue. Are we going to see a few changes uh, in order to keep the momentum going? 
It certainly looks that way. You know, earlier today, before we started recording, The Athletic reported that Kovacic is done. So it looks like that deal is one that they can check off of the to-do list. Sam Lee had written earlier this summer that they wanted midfielders and fullbacks and maybe a winger. And so they've already kind of checked one item off of that list. I expect they'll still go for a fullback. I expect they'll still go for maybe one other midfielder and, and maybe even like a, a wide central flex kind of player like Bernardo Silva has been that player. And some of their moves might depend on what happens with Bernardo Silva and Ilkay Gundogan and, and even Kyle Walker to an extent, although it seems like from the reporting that he is on his way out to Bayern Munich. You know, on the whole, Ryan, you're talking about this last year being a success, you know, maybe needing a little bit of, of, of a refresh. Their average starting 11 age throughout this past season was close to 28. And I said this on the big thing episode that wow. we did about them earlier uh, maybe earlier in June or late last month, only three clubs in the Premier League had an average age of their starting 11 over 28. So like this, this team was one of the oldest in the Premier League. And I do think if we've learned from just watching teams rebuild and watching different cycles at different clubs over time, this is the time to retool. Like you don't want to be heading into a season with you know, the majority of your starting 11, you know, trending towards 30, you want to refresh a little bit. Kovacic doesn't really help them do that, but maybe he buys them a little bit of time and they'll go younger in a couple of other spots. Cancelo is probably going to be gone here. He was loaned out to Bayern Munich last uh, last winter. So th there are a number of moving parts, maybe more than you would expect for a team that had as much success as Man City last year. But I think given how well they've done in the transfer market pretty consistently, I think City fans should feel pretty optimistic about the moves that their team will make this summer. Yeah, Man City are really good at this sort of thing. The number of key figures that they have moved on and then replaced pretty seamlessly over the last kind of five to six seasons since Pep came into Man City is really impressive. Players like Sergio Aguero, Vincent Kompany, David Silva, going further back a little bit, Yaya Touré as well. There hasn't really been much of a drop-off when these players have, have left City, so I have full faith in their ability to uh, evolve this team, but keep it at the top of English and European football. Uh, Graham, some rumours around OK Gundogan before we recorded, perhaps going on a one-year deal to Barcelona. It seemed that he was nailed on to leave and he may still do so, but is there, is there a path where he stays? And if so, it's going to be a, a temporary deal, right? I think the path where he stays is where Barcelona can't offer Gundogan the money that they've said they will offer mm -hmm. him, which Barcelona have had a... We'll talk about this a little bit later on, but Barcelona have had a financial viability plan i believe it's called accepted by la liga for players that are currently already at the club so they needed to pass that plan to get gavi registered um, as a professional player which is quite remarkable that he wasn't registered as a professional player until the second half of this season <laughs> and i believe they have to run by potential signings in front of uh, yaber tebas and la liga to see if la liga agrees that's financial fin financially viable that is the main reason that messi didn't go back to barcelona he admitted his first choice was barcelona they couldn't give him those guarantees he went to inter miami instead so maybe gundawin will will also be left waiting and it will come to a point in the transfer window where teams are getting into pre-season and essentially he doesn't want to be left hanging and so i envisage in that scenario he resigns with man city which isn't isn't a bad option for him i'm sure he'll cope I mean, it's okay, and they could probably uh, handle that news as well, given how successful he was, particularly at the uh, tail end of this past campaign. Uh, Joe, why don't we move on to Manchester United, who are in a very curious position in that they have business to do, but no one's going to want to do business with them until they have sorted out their ownership. Because if you know that 
Qatari ownership might be coming in and you're negotiating with them, you might just wait until you can get an extra zero on that check. Yeah, that the whole ownership issue for Manchester United right now is holding everything up, right? Ryan, I, I hadn't even spent a lot of time considering what that m- might look like for their business partners. But for Manchester United themselves, like there's this lack of clarity on what they can do, like how much money they have, how much money they're going to have to work with, right? If it stays with the, the current ownership group, the Glazers, then it, it, you'd have to imagine they're not going to have a ton of money to spend. That's, you know, the Glazers have spent a, a decent amount on transfers, but it doesn't seem like they're eager to have a lot of cash flowing out of the club. And if it's someone new, there might be a lot more, but that's still a limbo. So everything is still kind of just in a haze right now for Manchester United, except what they need. You know, what they need is very, very clear and has been clear for a while now. They need a goalkeeper. David De Gea is not a good shot stopper at this point in his career. And for a goalkeeper, that's a big problem. A lot of the discussion around De Gea is about his feet, and that's important to how Eric Ten Hag wants to play. He wants to have someone who can help them build from the back. But that stuff is so far behind in importance, the shot stopping ability, that I- I'm hesitant to say that it's all that important at all. They've been linked to Onana you know, multiple times already this summer. We'll see if that move actually happens, but they do need a goalkeeper. They need a midfielder. So at least one, if not multiple midfielders, their current group, their top four is Casemiro, who was signed last summer, Christian Eriksen, Fred, and Scott McTominay. And I think they could upgrade on three of those spots, and they need to prepare for Casemiro's getting oldness as well in that defensive midfield area. So they, they just need more quality in midfield. Frankie de Jong you know, could be an option, but he's not going to be cheap, and he's you know, kind of been through this before with Manchester United and seemingly would rather do anything else. He wouldn't with get in life. the box. Get yeah. in the box, Frankie. Get in the box. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see what happens there. Maybe they try to go for, for a, a, maybe a Liga midfielder that doesn't get as much publicity but was one of the 28,000 French under-21 stars. You know, They could go for, for someone in that vein if they're looking for something slightly cheaper. And then Manchester United, as far as... All these other clubs also need a striker. So Martial is really the only striker in their squad at this point, with Rashford, I think, being better on the left wing, kind of knifing his way inside and striking behind the back line. It seems like Eric Ten Hag wants a box threat, somebody you can really run in behind a little bit and then kind of poach for chances inside the box. You know, that could be Harry Kane, that could be Victor Osimhen. But again, this ties back to the ownership questions. How much money is there actually to spend? And who is going to be willing to do business with them now? It's all going to take time and probably longer than anybody in or around Manchester United would want. And there is an irony that, for me, this is the the the, the vision of the team Manchester United want to be is clearer now than it has been in any at any point in the post-Ferguson era. As Joe just ran through there, it's very clear the players that they need to take the next step. Whereas in previous summers, it's kind of been, what do, what do Manchester United need? Well, like everything from the ground up. And actually, that isn't where they are right now. They need two or three key starters. And the Glazers, who have spent a lot of money in the transfer market over the last you know, 10, 12 years since Ferguson left, are now seemingly kind of pulling the purse, purse strings and not willing to spend that money until they uh, they get their payday from Qatar. So that must be a painful one for my United fans, I think. Yeah, it will be indeed. I I kind of feel, Graham, that nothing's going to get done this summer. Basically, they're not going to do any business. That's how I'm feeling it's going to shape up so far. Well, they're not going to get a, they're not going to get a new owner before the end of the transfer window, right? The way these things work, right. I read uh, an Athletic timeline. I'm sure it was the Athletic um, that they laid out the timeline of even if you know, a deal was agreed today, the stuff that needs to happen for ownership to actually change hands and then for a transfer budget to be established and all that stuff, 
it's going to be well into the season. The transfer window is going to be closed. So they've already kind of missed that opportunity, I think. All right. A couple more Premier League teams to talk about. Newcastle United, Joe. Um, big uh, Keelan and Buppy with an empty checkbox next to it at the top. What do we think? Yeah? yeah? I mean, yeah. I think that would make Newcastle a heck of a lot better. And I think that fit actually is so much better than really anywhere else that he's linked to. And by that, I just mean Real Madrid. Um, so <laughs> Newcastle have the Champions League this year. So they need more depth. They need more talent. Apparently, Eddie Howe was looking for four to five new additions. That's you know been reported by a whole bunch of folks. Newcastle would ideally then like to strengthen with, this is from The Athletic, a center back, a fullback, two midfielders, one of those especially being a defensive-minded midfielder, and a wide forward. So it, it feels like there's a ton to be done here. James Madison has been linked. There have been a bunch of other players linked because everybody knows they can link stuff to Newcastle right now because they're kind of just this big Question mark in terms of them having a lot of different available roster spots and money to spend. Now, what I would say is, well, Newcastle will spend money probably at a higher rate than we've seen them do, at least in years past, maybe over the last couple of seasons directly. They, they'll be right in that range or, or they'll be a little bit under. But from what I've read, like they're not necessarily keen to like blow the doors off this place, either because of FFP or... Because it seems like there's a lot of belief inside the organization about the culture that's been built. That Eddie Howe and in the group, it seems like everybody is largely rowing in the same direction. And they're not especially keen to toss that out the door by going out and signing star after star after star. Maybe that will change and maybe that's just all talk. And if the right player becomes available at the right price, they will take a big swing. But that's what I've read some about Newcastle so far, and it kind of makes sense with how they built the squad. Lots of talent in here, and they paid some big fees for big players, but they haven't gone the let's just go out and sign Neymar route, even yeah. though that's the kind of stuff that we see linked to them by maybe less reputable places. By Ryan, essentially. There it is. There less it is. reputable person. Hey. <laughs> Sorry. Ryan, I think you're easy. super reputable. Even if Cam does, I think, I think you're the most reputable. Are you a tier one transfer source, Ryan? Are you on Ornstein Romano sort of level? You do have scoops occasionally. You just tell us, no one else. <laughs> yeah, I, do, I just tend to keep it quiet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're up there. Um, yeah, top of my to do list for Newcastle, I agree, Joe, is continue spending smartly, uh, continue doing what they have done so far, and um, not. Um, buckle to the temptation to go and sign Neymar or Ronaldo or someone like that so I've, I've got three um, items on my on my to-do list I've got continue spending smartly get a deal done for Kieran Tierney I might be slightly biased on on this one but Kieran Tierney too good to sit on the Arsenal bench coming into his peak years as a professional um, as good as as well as Dan Byrne has done on the left side of the Newcastle defence he is a, a central defender by trade I think he's limited particularly if he's going into the Champions League I think he's going to be pretty exposed at that level and I think Tierney would be a great signing as I say he's a good age he's experienced I think that it's about 30 to 40 million that Arsenal want for him so that kind of fits in with Newcastle's uh, strategy and then the third item in my to-do list for Newcastle is get Bruno Guimaraes tied down to a long-term contract because there's some interest from Liverpool and Barcelona and Real Madrid and you see kind of tenuous links every so often to Man City and basically every European elite team has been linked with Grimares over the last 12 months and I think Newcastle needs him to be their Vincent Company or David Silva um, in terms of being there at the start of the project and then building around him for for a number of years he is that good he can he can be in that team from the start until the finish when they are sort of Champions League contenders. Very nice. All right, how about we go to Tottenham? Ange Postecoglou Graham, uh, he's going to... Is it going to be a similar culture shift 
to the one we might see at Chelsea, do we think? Not similar in terms of aim, but in terms of radicalness. Yeah, potentially. I mean, if, if Daniel Levy and Spurs get out of Ange Postacoglu's way, which is what Celtic did when he came in two years ago, just kind of give a lot of control to him. He has a very clear identity as a coach. He knows exactly what he wants from players in the transfer market. I think he's one of the few managers out there who does have a good command of what is out there in the transfer market and so allow him to have a say and obviously Spurs at the moment don't really have a front office Fabio Paratici um, hasn't been replaced a sporting director so for the time being certainly initially I'm not saying in the medium to long term that Spurs shouldn't have a sporting director they should definitely hire one of those at some point but for now basically allow Postacoglu to pick the players that he's signing and that will give him the best chance of building a team pretty quickly. Yeah. And I've talked about this before. I think the operative word there is pretty when we talk about pretty quickly, like this stuff is going to take time, just like it's taking time with Manchester United. Chelsea's rebuild will take time as well, although Saudi Arabia is doing everything in their power to speed that show up. It's going to be a process like there are a lot of needs for Tottenham. They're basically changing away from the style of play that they've they've used over the last few managers for the most part. You think about Jose Mourinho. Nuno, Conte, like they it's a huge shift. They've transitioned much more. Yeah, like they've they've in the past transitioned into a playing against the ball kind of team, or at least a much more pragmatic team. That's very much not how Pastacogli wants to play. He wants to be in control. He wants his players to dominate. Not that we won't see some pragmatism by just sheer circumstances in this first season, but it's gonna take a number of transfer windows for them to sort everything out. All right, Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's go around the continent. We're going to look at uh, La Liga. We're going to look at the Bundesliga, Serie A and Liga. Much more coming shortly. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, who would like to remind you when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. You don't want to end up with Ryan, Graham, and Joe. Just kidding. Just kidding. Very much just kidding, because I was very fortunate to have the three of them all join the show, and I had existing relationships with all three of them that allowed me to know that they could handle the the the, uh, the amount of work that would be required, that they could be diligent in their tasks and be very effective on mic, and all three of them are. But again, that's because you have the existing relationship. If you don't feel like you have that with potential hires, then LinkedIn is going to make it very, very easy, and they're going to make it feel like you are connected to that person. They have a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because it gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. But when you are setting the requirements and making it very specific as to what you're looking for, you can very quickly narrow it down to find the right candidate for that position. Hiring is easy when you have that many candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. 
And LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring, and you can too. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash TSS. That's linkedin.com slash TSS to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Thank you very much to LinkedIn for sponsoring today's episode. Total Soccer Show, welcome back. We are compiling to-do lists for Europe's major teams, and we head to Spain now. Barcelona, more specifically, Joe. What's going on there, huh? Are they going to be able to <laughs> register players or, you know, bring on anyone without pulling a few more levers? It feels... Dude, I don't know. It doesn't feel like that's the case. Like It it's kind of feels like we're in a light version of where we were last summer with Barcelona, where there are still questions about exactly what you said, player registration, they very clearly need fullback help. I think right back will be an obvious one. Sergio Dest is technically a Barcelona player, but that's in name only. Uh, so he's he's going to be he's gone. Re- rebuilding the camp now, I think, is his job, actually. Yeah, that's, I think he's, he's been handed for. like a spackle and some other tools and said like, hey, Serge, whatever you can do would be great. Um, Sergio Roberto is always linked to other clubs, seemingly every transfer window. Those are the the primary right backs in the squad outside of I guess Jules Kunde who can who can do that job. But I think they'll make a move there if they can. Jao Cancelo has been linked as a, a fullback, and I think he would be an absolutely fantastic signing for them. Basically allows them to kill two birds with one stone in that he has played right back at a very high level and left back at a very high level with Marcus Alonso and, and Balda, who's just 19 years old on that left side. I, I think Cancelo could do the job on on both flanks there. They also need. Midfield help. Sergio Busquets is going to be wearing pink very, very soon, you'd have to imagine. Frank Kessier has been linked elsewhere, and it doesn't seem like Barcelona really want to keep him. Frankie de Jong. Also rebuilding the camp now. Also rebuilding the camp now. Frankie de Jong you know, might might be involved, might not be. They've been linked to Bernardo Silva, Ilke Gunduan, Giovanni Lo Celso. They're very clearly going after midfield help, and I think they could use it so that Pedri doesn't have to play every single game, and maybe Gavi will get to play some minutes this year and get registered. It, there's a lot of moving pieces for Barcelona right now. And uh, Martin Zubimendi in, in Spain. Did you did you mention him, Joe, just in no. case? I, mm-hmm. So Zubimendi, it, the Spanish press seem to believe that he's been identified as the, the Busquets replacement. Um, there hasn't been any move in terms of an offer. Yet there has, however, been an offer made for Inigo Martinez, uh, Martinez who um, is at the end of his contract contract at Athletic Club. He's a central defender, not a Busquets replacement, but that is one deal that is expected to happen at the end of the month when he's a free agent. All right. Lots going on at the Spotify, Graham, including a rebuild, as you mentioned. Have you seen recent footage of it? They have wasted no time yep. at all. It is like a shell. It's yeah. quite it's quite sad actually. I I'd, hope they know what they're doing. Because I remember that athletic piece that said they didn't they didn't actually know if they had the money to complete it. They've just knocked down their stadium and don't know if they're rebuilding it yet. Yeah. Let's just start it and see where it goes, shall we? <laughs> to, to be fair, I went there last summer and it it, it, it was kind of shell like anyway. It's a very old stadium. Yeah. There. So it's gonna need some good gutting and it will uh, be very impressive when it's done in uh twelve to fourteen years. Um <laughs> Should we go over to Real Madrid? Why don't we do that? Uh, speaking of teams who are rebuilding their stadium, Graham, what's on the to-do list for Real Madrid? We've already seen some ticks on here with Mr. Bellingham arriving and the, yep. the various others. So top of the list now that they've got that deal done for, for, for Jude Bellingham is decide on a strategy for Kylian Mbappe because that is obviously a huge distraction for Real Madrid at this point as we covered in the big thing, was it last week, two weeks ago? I can't quite remember at this point, but he 
handed in a, a letter to PSG, very Jane Austen of him, that said <laughs> he wants to leave, or rather, he's not going to sign a contract extension at PSG and he will leave the club next season, but then tweeted out that he doesn't want to leave this season and that he's very happy at PSG for now. It's all very confusing. But n- nonetheless, it feels like Kylian Mbappe is still twerking at Real Madrid and they need to decide whether they want to look straight at the twerking or look away. Um, do they need a stopgap solution at number nine until next summer? Roberto Firmino has been mentioned as an option. I believe he is still a free agent. Um, I know he was linked with St. Louis City. I don't think that has happened yet. So he's still looking for a for a club. Hosselu has has signed for Real Madrid. Now, the idea was that he would be a backup option for Real Madrid, but now Karim Benzema is no longer at Real Madrid. So so right now, Hosselu is their starting number nine. Um, so they need to kind of decide on what their plan is, whether they're going to hold tight for a year and go and get Mbappe next summer, or whether they're going to spend 200 million euros and get him at a PSG right now. Hosselu feels very vague horse to Man United, doesn't it? It does a bit. I mean, he's he's scoring goals for Spain and stuff and was okay in La League. Yeah, it does. It's yeah. very vague horse to my night. There it is. Uh, Joe, your thoughts on uh, Real Madrid? Yeah, I, I think they could use uh, a right back, but like nobody wants to talk about that. Everybody wants to talk about killing Mbappe. I think that is still, as Grim said, the biggest and first thing on the to-do list. If Mbappe comes, then that's going to change a lot of stuff for this club. I've said it before. I don't think he's a great fit. Although with Benzema no longer a part of this team, that does change the calculus a little bit. And maybe there are ways to integrate him. But it doesn't seem like Mbappe wants to play as a lone number nine. So it's complicated right now, frankly. Maybe you have to move Vinicius over. Maybe he doesn't come at all, Mbappe. There's, like for Barcelona, a lot of moving parts. Just maybe a a bigger, larger French part here, I guess. (laughs) The only thing that could surpass Mbappe at the top of the to-do list for Real Madrid is... If Carlo Ancelotti leaves this summer, there's a lot of speculation around him at the moment. I said a few months ago that I fully expected him to, to leave at the end of the, the season. Then the suggestion was he was going to see out his contract until next summer. But reporting in Brazil claims, uh, reports in Brazil, excuse me, claim that he has signed some sort of agreement to be Brazil manager for 2024. And then the, the the Spanish press has countered with their own reporting that maybe Real Madrid might reach a mutual agreement with him just to cut him free from his contract right now, in which case Real Madrid are in the market not only for a new number nine, but for a new manager as, as, as well. And at that stage, I do wonder if Julian Nagelsmann, Florentino Perez has offered him the Real Madrid job twice in the past. Nagelsmann... It looked like he was on on course to get the PSG job. Then he dropped out of the running for that um, position as well. So he is on the market. I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that Julian Nagelsmann is the Real Madrid manager for the start of next season. What about Zidane again? Again, again. He's just having too much of a good time on his yacht or on his on his campsite. I mean, I follow him on Instagram. He's just always at a campsite or playing, uh, what's it called? Pickleball or paddleball. Paddle. He seems to be very much into that. Very nice. On a campsite? I'm not picturing uh, Zidane pitching a tent, not to use a euphemism, Graham. It looks, <laughs> it looks like, wow, <laughs> it looks like a sort of glamping, you know, like the sort of thing you'll be doing at Glastonbury this weekend, I imagine. Oh, I shall. I shall indeed. Uh, the festival is a coming. Uh, why don't we go to the Bundesliga Bayern Munich, Joe? Uh, what's going on with Bayern Munich um, with Tuchel and, you know, being S- stuff. a bit up and down stuff? Yeah, yeah. Stuff's happening, right? Uh, stuff is happening. Genuinely stuff is happening. 
Looks like they're very, very close to getting a Kim Min Jae signing done. That would be the the very talented Napoli center back that will be coming over after winning the title in Serie A. That checks one item off the to-do list. Now, honestly, center back wasn't the first area of need that I, I thought about when I looked at this Bayern Munich squad, but it does inarguably make them stronger because he is a very good player that I think can slot, slot right in, excuse me, easy for me to say, and get real minutes for Bayern. You know, the other main thing outside of, I guess they're looking for Kyle Walker after Jao Cancelo goes back. Maybe they're, they're wanting another Man City center uh, fullback. The other <laughs> well, main thing <laughs> is, is striker, right? This is a move that maybe in hindsight should have happened last summer when they bring in Sadio Mane and kind of go away initially from having a Lewandowski reference point type of player. They go with Mane and we see a lot of Chupo Moting and, and it just never is at the level of a Lewandowski. Likely that is not going to happen this summer either in terms of finding someone as good as Robert Lewandowski has been. But Harry Kane has been talked about for Bayern. Victor Osimhen has been talked about for Bayern. They are yet another team, along with some of the Premier League clubs we talked about earlier, maybe along with Real Madrid if, if they are looking for a real replacement, even though Fiorentino Perez says that's not really the move. They're on the list of teams on the number nine carousel, and we'll see which one ends up in Bayern Munich colors. Mm. Seems as usual, Graham, not enough number nines to go around. Oh, I don't know about that. I think the market for number nines this summer is 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 pretty plentiful. I mean, we spoke about a few of them on listener questions. So Vlaovic has been strongly linked with Bayern Munich. Um, who was the other one we spoke about? Latara Martinez. Seems like he's on the market as well. So Harry Kane, awesome in. Um, two, the two from Italy there that I mentioned four already that's that's quite a, a number of number nines elite level number nines to be on the market at one time I, I was going to say I don't think Vlahovic is actually like all that good to be honest um, so I, I would put him several pegs down below oh, I think Harry Kane and Come, comeback season comeback season this is going to be for Dusan Vlahovic I, he's, had a bad, he's had a bad time at Juventus but so has everyone else that's true and that is true but I would lean towards Vlahovic being a contributing factor to Juventus's downfall rather than Juventus just influencing him, but that's that's a problem. And then Martinez is like a second striker. He's not like a, a single number nine. Yeah, so right. I, I would I would side pretty aggressively with Ryan on this one that there aren't really a lot of obvious first choice guys. It, it's kind of Osiman and Kane, and then there's a big gap in everybody else. Oh, thank you for aggressively siding with me, Joe. You're welcome. Is that You're welcome. I took a big like... step over to your side, Ryan. Big step. Oh, I appreciate. It. I appreciate I'll remember it. this. I'll remember this, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that was scary. I didn't like that. Uh, that was scary. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Why don't we go, Joe, to... Uh, we mentioned Juventus there a moment ago. What is uh, on their priority list? Is is it getting rid of Lavic? It's getting rid of Allegri. It's, I can't believe <laughs> that he's not gone yet. Honestly, yes. And and not just because I think Allegri is maybe a bit past it as a manager at this point, and, and maybe some of his ideas are a bit outdated, or his way of influencing his players to adopt his ideas. You know, one of those two things, there's a breakdown somewhere along the line. But it like Juve don't have an identity, right? And and it's not just this classic philosophical, beautiful, you have to have a tiki-taka identity like Barcelona or you have to be Ajax. I mean, that's fun and I think does make at times for good and effective soccer. But the main reason why you have an identity as a club, why you have a playing style, why you have a way that you want to go out there and, and play the game is because it helps you identify players, Right, like Graham, you talked about it with Liverpool, of, of them going out and trying to fit players that fit the style and, and not really caring so much about the name, but looking at the tape and looking at the numbers because they know this is what they want from their right side of number eight. This is what they want from their left winger. Like Liverpool have those ideas, even if they're maybe cash-strapped to the point where they can't complete can, can't compete 
in the Premier League, Juve don't have any ideas. Like, when you watch Juventus play, what are they trying to do? Like, they, they don't defend overly effectively. They're not particularly dangerous in the attack. They don't really have ideas on the ball. The first step for this team before they go out and make 87 different signings, not that this is going to happen, but the first step should be finding a way to play that can then influence everything else they do. It is, it is absurd that Juve has fallen off this aggressively to the point where we can look at their squad and, and not really know what's going on, that we can look at the needs and say, like, it's a long list, but it's really unclear the, the types of players that would thrive for Juventus because they don't know what they're doing right now. Yeah, and the only hope for Juventus, if they do end up keeping Allegri, which very much seems to be the case, there was a quote from a director last week or the week before, on the record, saying, yes, Allegri will be staying. We believe he's still the man for this job. Clearly, they didn't watch any of last season. But the only hope for Juventus is that they find someone else who can essentially provide that identity and establish that identity. And Cristiano uh, Giontoli, who is the sporting director at Napoli, is expected to make the move to Juventus at some point this summer. This was rumoured like two months ago. Apparently it was happening a month ago and the move's being held up by bonuses that Giontoli still owed by Napoli or, or, or something like that. Of course, Napoli have lost uh, Luciano Spalletti mm. and replaced him with Rudy Garcia. Yep. Strange move, that one. Um, so Giontoli maybe feels like this is the right time to, to leave Napoli. And of course, his track record at Napoli is exceptional, even as recently as last summer, signing Kim Menjay and Cavaradona and uh, a few years ago Victor Osimhen so Juventus needs some of that good stuff and if Allegri isn't going to establish that identity then maybe Giontoli will be the guy to do it why don't we quickly touch on Napoli as well then Graham as you mentioned Spalletti has ducked out ducked out I see we did there duck ah. duck um, that obviously is going to uh, mean that the to-do list is going to have a few slots on it uh, how realistic is it that they're going to defend the title I don't have much faith in Rudy Garcia. I have to, uh, <laughs> I have to admit that one came completely out of the blue. Um, the, a number of names were linked to that job. I don't know how realistic they were, but Luis Enrique was linked to Nagelsmann. It seemed like they were going to be quite ambitious. Obviously, as the Italian champions now, and they've got that Champions League money coming in as well. So Rudy Garcia, whose last job was. Um, coaching Cristiano Ronaldo in Saudi Arabia. So he's not really been at the top level for a while. I think top of Napoli's uh, to-do list is identify what Garcia's style will be and how it will differ to Luciano Spalletti. Um, And then from there, you can decide what players that he will need for that style. So looking at... um, He has kind of changed his identity a few times over the course of his managerial career, but Garcia tends to favour kind of defensive solidity and staying compact and playing on the break, whereas Spalletti was all about possession and moving the ball quickly and high energy and all that good stuff. So that that is a, a big change, and I question what the plan is there to, to make Spalletti's team work under Rudy Garcia. If Kinman J is, is, is going to Bayern Munich, then obviously they will need to find a, a replacement for him. That'll be the the third dominant centre-back that they have looked to sign in in three seasons. Um, I was reading that um, Giorgio Scalvini, who plays for At- Atalanta, has been identi- identified as the, the centre-back Garcia wants to, to come in this summer. And then finally, find a way to get Victor Osman to sign a new contract. It's been reported he's got some form of release clause in that contract, although there's some variance in what that number actually is. I've seen 100 million euros, I've seen 120 million euros. But until that release clause is at least a little bit higher, there's always going to be speculation about him leaving. So I would uh, do some sweet talking with Victor this summer and get him to stay at least one more season. All right. Uh, Joe, last and also least, Paris Saint-Germain. 
what's going to be on their to-do list under the management of uh, Sam Allardyce? I'm Ornsteining it here. Sam Allardyce. <laughs> yeah, the manager question is a big one here for PSG. Sorting that out should have an impact on what they do in terms of recruiting. I don't know if that's necessarily true, given that PSG kind of just go with vibes for the majority of their decision-making. So we'll see what happens there. But the manager is a big question mark, as is you know what's going on with Mbappe. We talked about it from the Real Madrid perspective, but there's a real question about what this group will do in regards to him in their front line. They already have one spot to fill without Leo Messi, and that is obviously a big loss for them. But, you know, they have the other talent with Mbappe and Neymar to overcome. They just are going to need more depth. Like, they're going to need to make an attacking signing. They're looking to make changes in midfield reportedly. They're going to be reshaping large parts of the the attacking sections of this squad. There is, like for a lot of these teams at this point in the summer, there's a lot up in the air. But with PSG, the path to sort of creating a balanced squad is not very clear. Graham, your thoughts on this one? We've discussed PSG a little bit on the feed recently. Um, does seem like there could be, uh, we've used the term a crossroads uh, ahead of them, right? I even look at the, the defence, to be honest. I mean, Joe mentioned the midfield and, and the attack. The defence feels like it kind of needs a bit of reconstruction as well. Sergio Ramos leaving at the end of last season. Um, Lucas Hernandez being linked with them. If, if he can stay fit and they can and they can get him healthy for a full season, I, I, I like that, that signing. Um, but it feels like... Donnarumma has a bit of the David De Gea's in that, or at least David De Gea's five years ago, in that he is a very good shot stopper, but not that excellent at playing out from the back. So maybe they need a central defender, kind of like what Manchester United did with Lissandro Martinez in front of David De Gea. Basically, PSG need a, a central defender like that. So maybe it's Luca Hernandez, if he's playing central defence, can be that figure. Or if he's playing at left back, he can be a bit of a possession hub on that side as well. So yeah, I think all areas of that PSG squad need some attention. Wonderful stuff. All right. I think, gentlemen, we have to do rather well in this episode. Any any closing thoughts from you, Joe? Um, no? Something something deep, something insightful. Uh, nothing, nothing along those lines. It does really feel like this is shaping up to be a busy window. I think the number nine carousel is the most exciting part of all this because mm. there are a lot of clubs that want them. So that's going to be fascinating. I'm kind of ready for the Mbappe thing to be over already. Um, but his mom pulls the strings really, really well. And that's going to, I think, dominate the news cycle for another summer. Oh, rabioing it up. I like to hear that. Uh, Graham, hot, hot Graham summer may be over, but plenty to happen in the markets, right? Yeah, I'm going to send Joe a Dusan Vlavic shirt. That's what's going to happen. I like that, Graham. I'm I'll take a I'm free shirt. Convert, I'm going to convert you, Joe, into Vlavic. But fan. which shirt will it be, Graham? Who knows? Who knows? Bayern Munich. All right. That's my prediction. There we go. It's going to be a Bayern Munich shirt. Well, Graham, thank you very much for your services to this podcast and for, you know, general services to everything tss thank you ryan bailey joe lowry same but for you bud oh thanks ryan and listener thank you very much for joining us on this one we'll be back on the feed very shortly but for now bye Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.